Chapter 9 of the Social Settlement Movement in Chicago by Josephine Hunt Raymond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9 Chicago Commons. The social settlement has become a kind of social observatory, furnishing an outlook upon industrial conditions of all sorts. The data obtained from such an outlook are providing most valuable to students of social phenomena. The conditions of labor, the needs of the working classes, the necessity of interpreting these needs to all who possess the higher conscience, all these may be observed from the outlook of the social settlement. Beginning as a vantage ground for the better conservation of social data, the settlement has come to be a living part of the labor movement. It pledges itself to cooperate with the industrial community about it to obtain a better standard of life, living wages, just legislation for the workers. This is the newest, the highest development of the idea of the social settlement. The labor movement is not a thing of the past. Its progress is seen in the better organization of labor and in the growing feeling of altruism which recognizes the interdependence of all classes of society. It was due to a conviction that the highest function of the social settlement is to join the hands of organized labor in our educational institutions, and thus most surely and speedily bring in the reign of industrial peace and social unification in the cooperative commonwealth that is to be. That the settlement known as Chicago Commons began work in 1894 at 140 North Union Street in Chicago. The prime mover in the enterprise was Graham Taylor, professor of sociology in Chicago, theological seminary. He saw at the outset that a settlement in an industrial community would prove a most valuable statistical laboratory, a field for original research into social and economic conditions. His primary object was to furnish such a laboratory, but gradually the purpose of the settlement widened until today it has become a rallying point for the champions of civic regeneration, of good citizenship, and of organized labor. The idea from which all practical work grows at Chicago Commons is that of industrial and social democracy. The name of the settlement indicates conclusively its object. The word commons has the spirit of old English freemen in it, with suggestions of ideal democracy. Irrespective of pecuniary circumstances or social status, the common is first of all a social clearinghouse, a common center, where various Grades of society meet and mingle and thus form the bonds of social unification. Gradually and merely as means to an end, around the center have grown up various activities and interests in the way of educational classes and social clubs. Besides the work centering in the kindergarten and the savings bank, there are sixty or more gatherings each week, devoted to training of one sort or another, the elementary and higher branches of study, manual training, and music. But first of all, as has been said, the commons is identified with the labor movement and all its various activities aid in the development of its central purpose. This purpose is being worked out in three ways. First, the Industrial and Economic Union, an organization meeting weekly at the commons, is making the working people of the community intelligent in the live issues of the day. Those who have heretofore held no opinion save as were denunciatory of all institutions and persons, 
are growing to have more clearly defined ideas on labor, its rights, and its abuses. Here individualists, socialists, single taxers, and others, representing every shade of opinion, meet and amicably discuss questions relating to the world of labor. Some topics recently discussed are the social outlook, the scientific basis of equality, socialism, duties of labor leaders, the relation of socialism to the single tax, proportional representation, etc. We read lovingly of the labors of Arnold Toynbee in East London, of his patient instruction of workingmen, who listened eagerly to his careful expositions of the fundamental principles of political economy. We remember how his gentle influence came to be felt more and more in the larger view taken by these same listeners. It is not improbable that the same result is being obtained at Chicago Commons. A working community is being drawn together and instructed on the great questions whose solution makes for poverty or comfort, for oppression or independence. The solution of these questions is comprehended in the meaning of the word which Phillips Brooks loved to use, mutualism. Second, Chicago Commons has become identified with active attempts to bring about reforms in the civic life of Chicago. It is aided in the organization of the 17th Ward Council of the Civic Federation. A strong influence has been exerted by the Council on the politics of the Ward, and the moral tone of the Ward shows the effect of hard work on the part of the residents of the Common. Third, the organ of the settlement, published monthly, is proving beneficial in disseminating the opinions of the warden, Professor Taylor, regarding the settlement and the labor question. A series of papers running through the year give the historical development of the labor movement. Various questions relating to the life of the working classes are brought from the sphere of theory into the sphere of fact and are applied to the needs of personal life. In an address before the National Conference of Charities and Correction, June 1896, Professor Taylor said, Loyalty to law and legal measures to secure and maintain rights may at this moment depend, more than anything else, upon the popular interpretation of the movement of labor from its legal inferiority to its equality before the law. No public service is of greater moment than this, which these settlements are exceptionally well circumstanced to render. End of chapter 9